Hi, and welcome to Girls on Fire, the podcast. Girls on Fire, the podcast, is a celebration of our girls, our community, and our school. Hello, and welcome to the Principals Panel as part of the Innovation in Education Festival 2021. Today, we are joined by leading adhesive principals as we explore what the future of education will look like from a principal's perspective. These leaders are all working to innovate as they develop future-focused learning environments to prepare their students for a meaningful life beyond the school gates. Today, we're joined by Danella Baer, the principal at St. Stephen's School, Alec O'Connell, principal at Scotts College, and Marie Perry, principal at Methodist Ladies College. Now, I'm so excited to have you all here and joining in in this conversation. And my first question for each of you is, can you tell me what you see as the key priorities for your school over the next five years? Um, Alec, we might start with yourself. Sure. It's, um, in many ways, I think it's uh, trying to uh, keep it simple. I think uh, schools are, and education in some ways, getting a little bit complex and we've been... Um, it's trying to shell back a little bit. I think we're trying to do too much for too many in mm. some places. I think COVID showed us a little bit of that to really focus on what matters. I mean, if you look at why parents choose a school, they're usually choosing it for good quality teaching and learning. They want their son or daughter to feel safe and feel connected. And they want a school that offers a row of other opportunities outside the classroom. Well, it's an exciting time for us at the moment because we are ready to plan ahead for the next 20 years. And, and for us, our focus, uh, in addition to all of those points that um, Alec mentioned, is, is innovation and wellbeing. I think mm. students have so much on their plates at the moment, uh, this generation, and making sure that they're prepared for the future. So um, we appointed a Director of Innovation who's in her second year of uh, working with us. It's a senior leadership position because we do see it as being really valuable and important. And Danella, at St Stephen's, what are you focusing on over the next five to ten years? From St Stephen's, we've, we're developing our new master plan, uh, master plan strategic plan over, the, over this year. One thing that's come out, and Alex touched on it, Marie's touched on it, is about connection. We need to re-establish personal connection for students. Mm. Um, COVID and the time before COVID, a lot of focus on technology, mm. the, um, the way in which we communicate, what we do every day, but the connection between teachers and students is paramount. Absolutely, that sounds fantastic. And I guess on that point as well, there's a balance schools are starting to strike at the moment. I think each of you have mentioned this, between the skills being demanded from industry for the future mm -hmm. of work and what a lot of the research is saying and that more current ATAR curriculum that is being um, prescribed in schools. How do you as education leaders try and strike that balance between the more innovative and future of work focused skills and the skills in the um, current ATAR system? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's quite interesting is that the question inherently is that the ATAR is um, static and it is and I don't think we're going to be dealing with a static measuring tool moving forward. Mm. Um, having said that one of the things that we talk about at St Stephen's is we talk about multiple pathways. Uh, Marie how about at MLC how do you strike that balance? More than two-thirds of students are, are getting into university and other um, tertiary learning institutions without an ATAR now and it's really mm. about making sure that we have as many diverse pathways as we can and promoting them within our community and building those industry links so we work really closely with um, all of the universities here and trying um, in the other states as well but to have their industry experts come in and work with our students. Part of that is through our innovation programs that we run um, at, on campus. We just had one last week, um, as you know, with our year 10s. 
And Alec and Scott, what does innovation and the future of work look like and how are you preparing students for that today? I don't think there's, there's not a subject such as an ATAR subject. It's interesting that we've, we've got this uh, acronym which refers to a rank and everyone yeah. talks about students are doing an ATAR subject. Well, they're not really. They're doing a waste subject. They're doing a HSC. And, mm. and I think some of those subjects are very good. We, we offer the International Baccalaureate as well, so that's one of our strategies to and VET as well. So we have three curriculums uh, running. You're trying to, for the students as well, their teachers are not just delivering content, they're discerning wisdom mm. as well, you hope, in terms of their experience of their subject. So Absolutely. From an MLC perspective, how do you see technology complementing a student's learning experience uh, now and into the future? Uh, I know that the girls, when we had our first lockdown, they were very excited to go online. They thought it was going to be fantastic. And after a couple of days, they were craving that connection with their friends and their teachers. So having that blend, uh, blended approach, I think is really important. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, I guess, how we as educators can best support students, especially through their final years of schooling, when some of those pressures can get a little bit too much for them. It's being able to have those conversations in safe spaces with students to say, it's okay, it's okay. Mm. Everybody is different, everybody learns differently. And it's not just at the last couple of years at school. It's actually looking where at, um, even in primary school and even at entry level, mm. um, I'm sure Marie and Alec would be able to discuss a bit more, but we're seeing younger students coming in into our early years who are dealing with issues that I certainly didn't deal with and my children didn't deal with and how are we supporting their parents mm. through that journey and I think that's a really important aspect. Marina, like anything to add? The pressures that young people are under now because they're living in a very heavily digital, digitalised world and the pressures to be on social media very young and um, you know that has a lot of great <coughs> benefits but it also has some downfalls for young people who are still learning um, their way in the world and developing that maturity and I think programs uh, like we have last week where, mm -hmm. you know, someone who, such as yourself, who ran the program with the girls, um, you're not that much older than them mm. and um, you're showing them how to build a digital brand and what that looks like in a real context for someone who is of um, a like peer a relationship to them. So that gives them another tool to look at what's important for them and not just to go with the flow with everybody mm. else. I think one of the other, I'll take it from a different angle because I think we've mm. all got similar programs, but I think mm. um, in the uh, macro level, I think part of our problem is that we're doing too much mm. for the students. Mm. So I think we have to do, resilience is something you build up through experience mm. and the world's not perfect. Um, so I think we could do more in schools in terms of that independence because I think that's really important. Mm. Um, I think the the discussion about perfection, there's no such thing, and I think the digital uh, footprint for a lot of our young people, if you're not a certain image or you haven't achieved something by a certain time, you can be led down the path of thinking that you failed. Well, mm -hmm. we've all failed. You, know, you need to understand that failure is actually really a good gift and mm -hmm. how do you turn it into success. I guess my next question sort of follows on from this is the parental pressures that students and educators can face where a lot of the jobs we're preparing students for today didn't exist when their parents were going through school. Uh, how do you as school leaders and education leaders sort of have those conversations to educate parents and staff but also to set those expectations and help students deal with some of those pressures? I think that the students pick up on the various options that we have available for them very, very readily. But parents, um, and I think particularly in, in the, this area where we are, 
having had a look at the percentage of ATAR versus non-ATAR students is very, very high uh, in this area with students feeling that they need to go down the traditional pathway because their parents um, had that particular pathway for them. And that education process, I know we put a lot of time and energy into it here and it's slowly chipping away. Mm -hmm. It's not making the big change as quickly as I would hope, but we just have to keep doing that. I think for, um, for St Stephen's, we, we're not located in this space, um, but we are traditionally an 8R school. I would say over the last three to five years, we've, um, we've seen not a swing away against 8R, but an opening up, like I said at the beginning, of other pathways that there are multiple things that they can do. The idea that I don't need to work in one job, I can run three or four jobs. Um, I think that is what's chipping away at a lot of the parents as well. Um, can you talk to me about some of the challenges that I guess you see with schools today in preparing students for that future world of work? There is a lot of unknown. Mm. So, you know, you, let's face it, there are certain careers you need certain content. I keep coming back, no, I'm not a content free person. You know, you need content. Um, but there are some generic skills which can prepare them. And just, I, I was at dinner two weeks ago, it's a really good example where had this high dock and turnaround, there were four, this is the one that was having the 21st. Two were tertiary, one was a boiler maker, one was a, um, a heavy diesel mechanic. Mm. Interesting enough, one of the boys who was trade said, oh, I'm only doing, that was his opening sentence. So I, was, I said, what do you mean you're only doing? I said, you've got a sensational career, you've got an apprenticeship which is hard to get. I said, you're probably burning more money than the guy talking to you in about three years. So I said, don't, don't, don't change career. <laughs> But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's still alive and well that trades are, you know, people just, that boy starting out with, I'm only mm. doing. So we, we just have to make sure that we prepare them with, as good people mm. who are, feel confident in themselves mm. that they, they can make a choice and that they'll see something through. Yeah. I think it's also about um, exposing young people to mm. lots of different people with lots of varied pathways exactly. and showing them um, we're really really careful about when we have guest speakers come and talk to our girls that it's not picture perfect I did this and this and this and now look at where I am it's really important for them to hear those stories because I don't know anybody who made it in whatever they chose to do that didn't have setback. I always talk about um, graduate attributes and for me it, it's about the person um, I want to see people who come out of St Stephen's School being honest, hardworking, understand that life throws you curves mm. and how do you deal with it. Um, to know that not every, even the people you think have it all, nobody has it all and it's how you get through that. Um, how do you see the role of early offers in schools now and also into the future? I think it's a really good example of why we don't need to have an ATAR system for <laughs> students to, to succeed. Well, when, when you can offer at the end of year 11 and those students will go on and do well, but it takes the pressure off them and allows them to really continue with all of the wonderful co-curricular. The reality is at the moment, and I've just finished having lunch with every year 12 over the last three weeks to see how they're tracking. And I've asked them that question, do you feel you've taken the foot a little bit? And I'd, I'd like to be more Pollyanna and think that all, you know, no, the answer would be no, but the majority were yes. Mm. Not, not in a massive way, but they just said it just relieved a bit of the pressure. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a bad thing, you know? But I mean, if they've had, through that, if they've dropped a little bit of pressure and they're doing more co-curriculum mm. and maybe investigated something else and they've, they've finished the year in a better frame of mind, 
have we really lost? I would say exactly the same. I mean, last year, everyone was worried about yeah, students taking their foot off the pedal fail. and and our students who were um, expected to perform how they were during the exams performed exactly mm. the same. I think it just gives you a little bit of, um, for a student, <sighs> a bit of time to breathe. We had no evidence to show that it made any difference. Mm. What advice would you have for any of our audience, educators across the country and around the world that are looking to innovate in their schools and in their communities and try and prepare their students for this future of work? I would say um, if an opportunity comes along, take a shot at it. Always say yes and don't let great get in the way of good. I think I'd say for the leaders, the young leaders coming in, I'd just say just be careful not to get too tempted by running around the toy shop and grabbing everything at the same time. Um, you know, schools, there are, there's an element of schools which are pretty, um, pretty simple, don't overcomplicate them in some ways. Um, look at what you want to achieve, make sure it's strategic and you think. So I think there's a temptation with that because we, we're all trying to look at where's the next, where's the next bit of um, uplift for schools. So I would just say to leaders, just be discerning before you take things on, you know. Um, and just think, does it suit your context? Um, I would say for staff members, have a go and fail big. Mm. If you're going to have a go, be prepared to fail big. Um, and that's okay. And for leaders, surround yourself with people that are so much smarter than you are. You, you all have to have a goal and it's got to, you've all got to be on the same page but you need to have different skills. Well, thank you so much for all of you for joining us today. And to our audience, I hope you've enjoyed this snapshot, hearing from some leading educators here in Western Australia, sharing what they look forward to in the future of education and some of the trends they're seeing in education today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Girls on Fire, the podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes to come.